I get people come up and ask me uh, tough questions a lot. Uh, and, and, and I mean, and when I get these questions, it's like, yeah, that's a great one, but we're not going to just answer that in the hallway or in passing or an email or text or whatever. And so I've, I've got a few of them and they're doozies that I just want to uh, study the Bible with this. So the question that we're asking with all of these things is, what does the Bible say? And the Word of God is alive and living. And, and if I have a question, I'm going to get into the Bible, and the Bible's going to speak to our hearts. And, and that's, that's what we do. And it's not just our heads. It brings uh, to our hearts. And from our study right here, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 14. But it says in the middle of this, if you ever quote this verse and you say, uh, where is that found in the Bible? Okay, let me talk about context. The Bible says, for God is not the author of confusion. Okay, so if we, if we run into confusion and say, man, this is just a mess, and nobody gets this, and this is so chaotic and confusing, and I'm, I'm more confused than before, uh, that didn't come from God. God is not the author of confusion. So 1 Corinthians 14 is an entire chapter dedicated to the uh, understanding of tongues. And guess where God put that verse? It's right in the middle of this. And so um, we're going to dive into this. I, I want you to know, as we get into this, this is not critical teaching, okay? And I'm just going to clarify that I, I've been around that growing up, where you, you call names at other denominations and you slander and all that. I will, I refuse, I will not do that. I can agree and, and, and be friends with these people. I have a lot of people that agree with this and practice this. And they are close friends, and we meet, we fellowship, we have a great time. They're Christians, they love Jesus, I love Jesus, and we get along, okay? So don't think that I'm up here bashing uh, when it comes to this. Uh, so Paul was about dealing with confusion. In the book of 1 Corinthians, he's dealing with a lot of things. So 1 Corinthians 1, verse 11, uh, For it hath been declared unto me, this is about the letter that was written, my brethren, which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. So there's a lot of you that are fighting. There's a lot of division and confusion and, uh, uh, you know, people that are not getting along right now. And he says, uh, where, where did this problem start? And it says in verse 12, And this I say, that everyone saith, I am of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas. And then he comes out and says, and I am of Christ. Uh, they got their focus off. There, there was a lot of division and fighting and all this stuff. And like, well, I was baptized with this guy, and I, was, I came from this, and I was saved under his teaching, and, and they, were, they were dividing and, and, and fighting and arguing, and it was no, there was no unity in the church. And so, um, now listen to verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize. It's not that a matter of baptism is not important. You guys hear me. It's not saying that baptism is not important. But Paul just goes, wait a minute, you guys are making... A secondary issue, the main thing. He said, it's not about this. He said, Christ didn't send me to baptize. He said, can I tell you what Christ sent me to do? He said, but to preach the gospel. Uh, the gospel is what changes life. The gospel is the good news. The gospel is the cross and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching the cross to them that perish is foolishness. But to us which are saved, it is the power of God. So I'm going to ask you guys right now, what was the priority of Paul? Preach the gospel. And so he wasn't, and he was talking about the secondary issue. Uh, baptism was not the main priority. Preaching the gospel was the main priority. 
Uh, baptism was a secondary issue. It was, it would be, and why, do I, why would I call it a secondary issue? Because it's not about whether or not somebody's going to go to heaven. It's not about Jesus being the Son of God. It's not about whether he died on the cross. It's not watering down the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not about the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, it, it wasn't about those things. So there's a lot of issues that cause confusion among Christians, but it also causes a lot of fights and division and, and even people writing each other off when it comes to things. So I just want to get into one of these. And, and there, all these uh, topics will be different, but this is probably one of the biggest ones that was on the forefront of my mind that I've had people talk about. So what does the Bible say about tongues? Does the Bible talk about tongues? Yes, it is in the Bible. Trust me, the, the, the gospel would not have been launched like it did. If you study Acts chapter 2, you're going to see we're going to do that here in a minute. It does. Uh, is, is, biblical, is, the, uh, is it in the Bible? Yes. Um, so the different perspectives of it. It's a gift from God to speak in other languages to further the gospel. Uh, some per perspective, it's an unknown language spoken between you and God in prayer. Um, and, and, and I'm sure if anybody, is there anybody that's never heard of this topic? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. We're good. Um, so what, the question is, which one of these is biblical? Um, and so we, we want to get into this. Um, look at tongues in the Old Testament. The only reason why I did this is because I just, I don't want to look like we skipped over anything. So I just, I literally, I almost have... 90%, 95% of all the passages in the Bible that even references this. So we're, we're getting the full gamut of this. So in Genesis, uh, it talks about, and these are the sons of Ham after the families, after their tongues. It, it talked about that they're divided their tongues in, in Psalm 55. Jeremiah 23, verse 31, Behold, I'm against the prophets, saith the Lord, to use their tongues. Uh, and then I listed the other passages that do that. This is a Hebrew word, tongues, Hebrew is the language of the Old Testament. It's the muscle in your mouth speaking or language in which you speak. So I, I, don't, I think we're all on the same page with that. You know, it's like in the Old Testament, they spoke in their native language, and it was, it was referenced in the Bible as tongues. We get into the New Testament. We get into the Great Commission. And this is, and you say, that's not dealing with tongues. Well, it does, but I'll explain. And he, and Jesus is ascending up into heaven. And he gives them the Great Commission. And he says unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And the question is, how? They're probably scratching their heads going, how are we going to do that? Now, it would be easy for us today because we've got technology like crazy. You know, we've, we've got Facebook and YouTube and Internet and TV and all the different things. And then we have like Google Translate and just uh, there's a lot of things that we could do that they did not have uh, even remotely close to that. But he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God had prophesied, saying, with stammering, uh, stammering lips and other tongue will I speak to this people. Uh, he, he prophesied that this would come, that God had a plan from the very beginning. When God was training these 12 Jewish boys together to change the world, he already had a plan of how he was going to execute that plan. Uh, he told them that he would preach to all the nations and spread the gospel. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he was telling them that the Spirit of God would come upon you. Let me tell you guys, we're, we're Baptists, and I know we get made fun of this, that we downplay the Spirit of God. We very much so believe in the working of the Spirit of God. 
I believe that we, we should be spirit-filled and spirit-led, and that the worship should be spirit-filled. Now, I know that there's some places that you go in that downplay that a lot, almost uh, diminishing the work of the Spirit of God. And there's some that all you hear about in the church is the Spirit of God. It's like everything is about the day of Pentecost and things like that. Uh, and so, but we very much so, but that you shall receive power. After what? After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and the uttermost parts of the earth. So then we get into the law of first mention. If anybody does any kind of hermeneutics and studies of the Bible, uh, there's a law in there, which is the law of first mention. Where do you first find it in the Bible? Uh, that's why when we study different things about sexuality and things like that and this controversial thing, I'm going to take you right back to Genesis. We're going to show you where God created Adam and God created Eve and the whole foundation of those things because it's a law of first mission. I'll mention, where did it start? What was the foundation of it? What did God say? What was God's original intent for it? How has man messed it up? Go back to the law of first mention. Well, here it is, the law of first mention, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. So the disciples are working in the Spirit of God, and they began to preach the gospel. And it says they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to, this is audience participation. I want you guys to soak this up. I want you guys to help me with this. I want you guys to, I, I gave you the verses so, so you have it right in front of you. But uh, sometimes if you can see that for yourself, and I know there's eight pages to flip through, but I want you guys to see this for yourself. And says, and he began to speak with other tongues. Now the question is, was what was going on here? Because this is the first time. Is this, um, is this them praying in an unknown language? Is this, he, he started saying things and everybody was confused. And the Bible says, and the spirit gave him utterance. So this is a spoken word, a spoken language. This was verbal. And there was dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation. Okay. So we've got a, a, a melting pot of uh, backgrounds and, and nationalities and, and, and uh, languages. And it says, uh, Now when they were noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Is everybody on the same page now? Okay, so they heard them speak in the same, their own language. Now it was one guy speaking, but everybody's hearing in their own language. And they were amazed and marveled. This, you say, how is that possible? Because it's the work of the Holy Spirit of God. This is miraculous in what's happening right now. Because God was going to spread the gospel through man by eliminating the obstacles. And that's what God does. And they were amazed and they marveled and said one to another, Behold, are not these which speak Galileans? So they were like, wait a minute. All right. Uh, Pastor Tony is an American, he's speaking English, but there's someone from, you know, whatever nationality in the whole room is like, but I can hear him and I understand what he's saying. That's what's happening right here. And it says, just to clarify before you say, well, you're just giving your own, own interpretation, let's just make it as clear as possible. And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? I think that's as clear as you can get, okay? There's no, like, scratching your head saying, what does this mean? I'm not going to go through the list, but it literally lists to prove the point uh, from the Medes, to the, from Egypt and Libya and all the, from Rome's and Jews and all of them, Cretes and goes into that, and do hear them speak in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. 
And that was the plan. Everybody's going, I, I, I get who Jesus is and I get what he did and I'm, I'm receiving the wonderful works of God. There was no confusion. Nobody was going around saying what's going on and I don't understand this and this is confusing and I just, nobody was saying that. So we stop right here and go, okay, here's tongues in action. So what do we learn from this? What was the purpose? What was happening? Yeah, exactly. So they could hear, filled with the Spirit of God, praise God. I, I, I know that that was part of it. And they step into the pulpit. They, they, God gave them utterance. They, they preached, and people heard in their own language. They received the word, and they had clarity. And God promised that the Spirit of God would do this. This was Pentecost. So does anybody know what Pentecost means? So this is 50 days after the work of Christ. And so that's where it got its name. Uh, talking about Pentecost, and this is where Pentecostals come from, and a lot of the doctrines and everything. So you're, right, you're at the ground zero for a lot of the things that we see and hear about in the world today. Uh, and this came from God. So the next time it's mentioned, let's dive into that. We're just walking through it. Did it change at all? And he commanded us to preach unto the people. And if testify, which, he had, which was ordained of God to be judged the quick and the dead, and to give him all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission of sins. What we're looking for is trying to see is, is tongues. We, we see what tongues is, and I don't think anybody would deny what we've read. It's so clear. It is so clear in Acts chapter 2. But does it turn into an unknown language between me and God to pray. That's that which we're trying to figure out. That's, that's what we're determined. And it says, And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. Okay, so we already know what's going on. They heard the word. The word of God's going out. They received it. The Spirit of God is working. And of the circumcision which believed were uh, and astonished, and many came with Peter because of the Gentiles, also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, and they heard them speak with tongues. And what was their response? They magnified God. So they heard them speak. They received the message. And you get this reply the same way that we did the first time. It's like, wow, what an awesome God we serve. They magnified God. So the question again in this passage, is it an unknown prayer to God? No. They heard them speak what? And they responded how? They heard them speak the gospel, and they responded by magnifying God. They understood. The message was received. There was no confusion. Let's go to the next one. Acts chapter 19, verse 4 through 6. Then said Paul, John, verily baptized uh, with baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So here it is again. It's not just them speaking in an unknown language that nobody understood. They heard, they spake with tongues after the Holy Spirit of God, and they prophesied, they preached, they proclaimed, they foretold. That's what prophecy is. And again, it's not an unknown language in prayer. Um, so now we get into Corinthians. Corinthians is where it really is. It's the only time that it's addressed with a, a, a message of it being an unknown message between man and God. So I want to do this in context and let you understand this. Um, 
It says, but manifestation of the Spirit was given to every man to profit with all. And, and that, that's, in, that's important to understand that a theme of this is that the things that God gave the church and the gifts that God gave the church was given to the church to edify the body of Christ and to spread the gospel. And that was kind of a, a test that you would see from this. He, he, I'm going to edify the body of Christ. And that's something that Paul really gets into as he gets into this. For one is given the spirit by the word of wisdom and another word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith, the same spirit to another, the gift of healing by the same spirit to another, the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues and to another, the interpretation of those tongues. Again, it's speaking a language and interpreting the language that that's what it was an unknown tongue or praying in tongues is what we're going to study now. The book of Corinthians is a letter. And I, I think if, if we read it like a book and we don't understand the context of it, so they didn't have email, they didn't have Instagram, they didn't have all those kind of things. So they would write out a, a letter and they would bring it to Paul. Paul would receive the letter. He would study it. We have issues in the church. Uh, we have these different things that are going on. There's a lot of questions that are going on. So Paul would then take it and write 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and they would write these different versions, and they were just different letters that we received back and forth. So you have to take it in context that Paul is addressing issues in the church by writing a letter back to these same people in reply. And so he brings these subjects up as he goes. Uh, so here's the opening of the letter. And I just threw this in there because I wanted you to get an idea of this. It says, "...under the church of God which is in Corinth, to all that are sanctified in Christ Jesus..." Uh, the call to be saints and with all that are uh, in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So he's, dear church, that's, that's how you could put it. It's like, hey, dear church of Corinth, I'm about to uh, answer your questions, okay? And so he addresses these issues in the church. And he says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing and there be no divisions among you. You be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. For it has been declared unto me of you. Okay, so I did that because I wanted you to see that he's responding. <clears throat> he said, I'm, you've already been tattled on, so I'm just going to straighten you guys out. Okay, he said, it's already been declared. It's like when the little kid goes in the room and says, Mom, so-and-so, or my little brother, whatever's in here doing this. That's what's going on. My brethren, by which <clears throat> the house of Chloe, there's contentions among you. So a lot of things that are addressed, and if you know the book of Corinthians, there's lots of teaching, a lot of things that we can learn and grow from that about spiritual discipline and changing and correcting things in our lives. But verse, or chapter 12, verse 1, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts. Now we're going to be in chapter 14 because he's going to address this. But at the first, he says, I'm just going to lay it out there. Now let's just talk about spiritual gifts. This church was so zealous of spiritual gifts Man, they were so on fire. I mean, and he addresses it. We'll read this in a minute. So they would take it like they would take what it was and they would just run with it. I mean, they went hog wild with everything that was taught them. They were like, if this is it, I'm going to do it to the fullest. They, were, they just loved it. So now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I, I would not have you ignorant. So in verse 10, he says, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of the spirits, to another diverse tongues, another interpretation of tongues. So I've put this back in there because I wanted to define it. Tongues is the Greek word that means a language. 
This isn't my interpretation. This is literally a Greek lexicon spelling it out to you guys, okay, just, just to help you out here. Okay, this is, this is what I naturally acquired. It is a tongue. It's a language. Uh, Paul is addressing the, the, the abuse of this or the change of this. So he gets to chapter 14, verse 1, and he begins. Now he's replying to the letters. So he begins to start saying what they said, and he replies back. He said, does anybody know what chapter 13 is about? It's a love chapter. And he says, let me tell you what's more important than all of these things. He said, let, let there be love among you. So he goes, follow after charity, okay? He goes, just love God and love each other. He said, now let's get into this. And desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. He said, guys, I don't know, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? He goes, okay. He goes, uh, it's great that you have these gifts and things like that, but don't forget the goal is the, the preaching, it's the prophesying, it's the declaring, it's getting the message out. And he said, please keep that in mind. So he's responding to this letter, but now we switch gears. It's no longer tongue. And, and if you notice, every passage that we've studied right now so far has talked about tongues. Now it has another word in it. It's now the unknown tongue. Because now it's uh, not being able to be interpreted tongue. It's, it's, uh, there's something happening now, and people are writing back saying, they're doing it, but nobody knows what they're saying. Okay, that's, that's what's happening. Right? It's an unknown tongue. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh to men, but to God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit the same spirit, uh, spirit he speaketh mysteries. For he prophesieth speaking to men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Paul begins to go into great details addressing what they wrote to him, explaining this unknown tongue and how it's, it's supposed to be the de declaration of the gospel to man and not to God. So he says in verse 4, he says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. He said, what's, what's going on here right now? He said, you're, you're beginning to make this internal. And he said, I can take you back to Acts I can bring you back to the beginning of this, the law of first mission, mention, and all these things. He was said it was supposed to be getting the gospel out. He said, somehow you guys made it about you. What's going on here? He said, I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues. Except, okay, he goes, there's an except, except he interpret that the church might receive edifying. He said, it's not bad. He goes into it as he begins to say, it's not bad, guys. I'm going to tell you right now, prophesying, preaching, delivering the word, that's what we do. And he said, if you're going to speak in tongues, and he said, that is a gift. You know, some people were probably claiming to have the gift that maybe didn't, and they're getting up and doing this. And he said, but there needs to be this checks and balances that the church might receive the edification. He said, but there needs to be an interpreter or interpretation of it. So if I got up there and I began to preach in an unknown language and, and nobody understood what I'm saying, all of a sudden there's no receiving of the word. There's no growth in the church. Nobody's being edified by this. And so the focus got changed. Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? What, what edifying? What building up? Who's being saved? Who's being changed? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge, or by prophecy or by doctrine. So he's saying that there, there's got to be something that comes out of it. And he said there's all sorts of things that could come out of this, but 
there's got to be some of these things. So he illustrates this point. Notice how he illustrates it. He says, and we're just going verse by verse, and even things without life giving sound. And he says, let me just put this on an illustration. He said, whether there be a pipe or a harp, except they give distinction of sounds, how shall it be known that what is a pipe or a harp? So you can imagine he's talking about like a flute or, you know, an instrument or whatever. And he said, if you play a harp, you're going to be able to identify the harp because it's going to sound like a harp. And he said, if you play the flute, it's going to sound like a flute because it sounds like a flute. He said, for if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, literally meaning it can't be understood, who shall prepare himself for the battle? So back in the biblical days, when they would have a trumpet, they would play a certain way and they would know to advance. And they would play another certain way and they would know to retreat or to pause. And they would communicate for that because they didn't have walkie-talkies. That's how they did things. And so that was their way of doing things. And he said, for if the trumpet give an uncertain sound and everybody hears it, and they were like, what was that? It's like, I don't, I don't know if we should run or retreat. It's like, that, that's not one of the noises that we are. So what happens is it breeds what? Confusion. Because everybody's like, I don't know what that is. I mean, I know it's a noise, but I don't know what that is. So likewise, let's tie this in, except ye utter by tongue words easy to be understood. I can't begin to tell you guys how often the subject of tongues gets brought up among circles and nobody reads these verses. I'm like, it has to be easy to be understood. How shall it be known what is spoken? Question mark. For if not, you speak into the air. I, I don't even think I have to, I don't think I even need to stop and explain this. It, it is like, he's literally saying, if, if, if you speak the objective of what God ordained and wanted to happen in the church is for the word of God to hit their hearts, hit their ears, and change their lives. That is the goal of tongues. And it's not even complicated. He said it should be easy to, to understand. That's what he was saying right there. Because he said, if you not, it, it's like speaking into the air. It's like, well, you guys know. You guys get it. <laughs> there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world. There's a lot of dialects. A lot of, a lot of voices, a lot of nationalities, a lot of languages. But I'm going to tell you this. None of them are without signification. Um, he's saying literally uh, uh, an English person can walk into a room and hear another English person and just be gravitate towards him. He said, you're going to do that. Therefore, I know not the meaning of the voice. I shall be to him that speak of the barbarian. So he said, if I walk in, has anybody in here ever done foreign travel before? Like, okay, a few guys. It's a weird feeling being the foreigner. It is a weird feeling getting off the plane and going up and trying to order Starbucks and they don't understand what you said. And then you get some sort of drink and you're thinking, I don't even know what this is. And they did not understand my language whatsoever. <clears throat> it's like, you, therefore, they don't know the meaning of the voice and shall be to them a barbarian. And he that speaketh shall be a barbarian to me. It's like, it's not jiving. It's like having a bunch of foreigners in the room and none of them speak the same language he said, and, and that's what the barbarian is saying, like a foreigner right there. There's no communication. Nobody's getting it. So Paul gets to the heart of the issue. He, even sa he says this, even so ye for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, and that's what I was saying. He, he was like pulling it back in. He goes, guys, I'm, I know you love this. 
and I know you guys are so excited about this. You're so zealous to run with the ball, and you're so zealous to take this further. And some people are like that. It's like, God gave me a word that he didn't give anybody else, or I know something that nobody else did, or I got a deeper relationship with God than the rest of you. And I've actually had those conversations with people. I was like, whoa, like, what you, what you don't have is humility. You might have something, but you don't have humility. That ye seek, that ye may excel. He said, seek ye that ye may excel to edify the church. He said, if you're going to do this, he said, just remember the reason why God gave this gift is for edifying the people. That is why it's, that's why it's there. Don't lose sight of this. Don't put the emphasis on the wrong thing. And he starts talking about how an unknown prayer accomplishes nothing. And I know this is where it gets touchy. But I want you guys to see so far in all that we've talked about, it has not been about praying. Did you guys notice that? Like at Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, all the way through, it's not been about prayer. Every single time it's had the same purpose. It's cool because the same purpose goes back to the Great Commission. That's what it was always about. It, it, it was never a deep emotional prayer that only God could understand. You know what's crazy about that? God knows my heart. I don't need another language to talk to him. He doesn't. That, that's the beauty of it. I, I, I crawl to him as Abba, Father, and fall at his feet. I'm going to be preaching on this on Sunday and, and from a different perspective of Hebrews and stuff, but it's the same thing. He knows our thoughts. He, I don't even have to utter a word. And a lot of times when we, when we do pray, we don't utter words. We, we pray right from our beds as we fall asleep without saying a word. We just pray through our thoughts. He says in verse 13, Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Listen to this. Okay, now we're getting into uh, <laughs> the unknown tongue and prayer. Okay, listen to this. Listen. <laughs> For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayers, my spirit prays, but my understanding is what? what? What does that mean? It accomplishes nothing. It accomplishes, like, what did you do? It's like, he said, if you say, well, it's my spirit praying, and I'm just going to pray in this way. He said, your prayer is unfruitful. What is it then? Question mark. I will pray in the spirit, and I will pray with understanding also. If I sing in the spirit, I'm going to sing with understanding also. He said, do you guys get it? He said, if we all stood up and we were praising God on Sunday and then we got done singing and we sang in another language, I've done that too. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you've done that. And you're like in there and you go, I know the tune, I just don't know the words. <laughs> like, uh, I kind of get what's going on here and stuff like that. But it's like, well, man, that was everybody saying amen at the end of it. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what I just said. And he says, it doesn't accomplish anything. That's what he's saying there. He says, I will sing in the spirit, but I'm going to sing with understanding. If I'm praying, I'm going to pray with understanding. The key to this was understanding. And he's saying the same thing about praying, preaching, whatever. It's the purpose of understanding. He's, because he's addressing it. So he's, he's coming to him saying, if you pray, let's say you pray in an unknown tongue. And the unknown tongue is wrapped into here because notice every time he says it, interpreter, 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 like that. Because if it is a known tongue or a, the gift of tongues, which was a thing, it was part of the Bible, it was in there, then somebody should receive it. So the reason why it's an unknown tongue is because nobody's receiving it. 
That, that's what he's addressing. Like he, so he's asking the question, for if I pray in this unknown tongue, my spirit pray, but my, my understanding is unfruitful. No, he's not doing that. He's just posing the question. And wait till he starts getting sarcastic. <laughs> like, it's about to happen. Because I think he was just frustrated with this because they were running after something that was accomplishing nothing. But do you know what it was doing? Causing division in the church. That's the whole thing that he was writing to them. He said, there's so much division in this church that he's addressing this. Um, but I, I just want to pause for a minute and think about this. Think about every time Jesus taught us to pray. Think about, think about all the teaching. And he was like, we're talking about what's absent in this. Let's talk about what's present in this. Jesus said how to pray to the Father. He said, my Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our, our bread, this daily bread. And he begins to pour out our hearts to God. He talks about pouring out our hearts, casting your uh, care before the Lord because he cares for you. The Bible talks about asking and seeking and knocking. Asking. Do you know what you're asking? Do you know what you're asking? I don't know. It's whatever's on your heart. But I know you're asking God. And I've been there myself. I've been there a lot. I know. And, and I know what I asked God because I know what I got the answer for because I knew what I asked them. <laughs> Can you imagine asking in an unknown tongue and like, did God answer your prayers? Like, I don't even know what I ask him today. I just know that I ask him something. It's like, it's confusion. So the Bible says, let your request be known unto God. And, and in this passage in Matthew 7, 7, uh, it is the very teaching of Jesus to the church to pray. And, and, I, and I just pointed this out. He's talked about asking, seeking, knocking for everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and he, to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. And then he starts going in and he says, let me say like this. If you ask for a fish, would God give you a serpent? And I'm paraphrasing here. You know, yeah, yeah. If you ask for a fish, would he give him a serpent? If, if, if you, knowing how to be a good father, how much more is your father which is in heaven? And I'm paraphrasing there. But the point being, it's asking with understanding. That, that is the whole point of this. And that's the whole point of Corinthians. It's like, it's, it's just so clear to understand I know what I'm asking God. I know who I'm talking to. I know I'm crying out to him by his name. I know this because it's clear. Paul says, let's say you pray this way in the church. And he starts explaining this. When we pray in the church service and I open up and say, dear God, as we come before you this Sunday morning, we're asking Lord to bless and we're asking for these needs we're asking, Lord, as we have this outreach in a couple of weeks, we're, we're, we're unifying our prayers. We're going before God. Even though just one person's praying, we're all on the same page of what we're asking God. He says in verse 16, Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of unlearned say amen at giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? He said, can I just say, he says, if, if you do this, and there's people in the room, and you're like throwing that. He said, how are they going to even understand what you said amen to? Verse 17, for thou verily givest thanks well, but others is not edified. Paul says this. He says, I thank God I speak with tongues more than ye shall, ye all. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with understanding that my voice might teach others also than 10,000 words of an unknown tongue. He says, I could skid up there and just say 
Jesus loves you, or whatever five words would be. And that would accomplish more than for you to be in the back of the room and, and pray for 10 hours of 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. He said it just, and I'm just telling you, Paul is giving the illustration right here and just laying this out here. He's, and let me read it again. He said, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words. It's, isn't that just a little bit sarcastic, a little bit? You know, he's just saying, it would be better for me just to get up and just say, Jesus is the Son of God, rather than me getting up and saying 10,000, that my voice might teach others also that 10,000 words in an unknown language. It's just clear what he's saying. He says, brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice ye be children, but in understanding men. In the law it is written, with men other tongues and other lips will I speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. For prophesying serveth not to them that believe not, but for them that believe. He, he goes into a lot of, and there's a lot to unpack in this, and I know I'm running out of time, and you guys are looking at how many pages I have left, but hang with me, Okay. <laughs> Like you come in here and say, you always know when Pastor Tony's teaching because he passes out a book. (laughs) Tongues were for a sign. God had a reason for it. Uh, I I don't have time to go into this, but there was, God worked different ways at different times. There was dispensationalism, uh, which literally means that God worked in different ways at different times. The Old Testament, God worked through the tabernacle. In the New Testament, God worked through Jesus Christ. And, and, and where we're at now, God works with the Holy Spirit of God. And God, God had a plan for that. God had a plan when he called the disciples. God had a plan for the first time when he called them out two by two. And he sent them out two by two. And they did signs and wonders in front of people, declaring that they were working underneath the prophet Jesus, who was the son of God. There was a time for that. There were certain promises that God gave or Jesus gave to the disciples during that time. And that people will take out of context and claim for ourselves. And people say, well, I can have the ability to do this and this. And I'm thinking, in context, Jesus said that to the disciples because they were the apostles going to do the work of God. And we will take those things upon ourselves. So there was a season of time that God was giving them for these sign gifts to get the word out. But let me show you this. It was never intended to be used as an unknown prayer. It was never intended to use in the church for just worship and speaking. It was for teaching and edifying for the saved and, and, and for reaching the gospel or preaching the gospel to those that were lost. Paul explains how crazy it would be if this continued, okay? He says, if therefore the whole church become together into one place and all speak with tongues, and let me just tell you, I know that's weird to, to read this. Has anybody ever seen a service like that, either online or in, purpose, uh, in person, Okay. It says, and if they all speak in tongues, there, there are those that come that are unlearned or unbelievers. Will they not say that you are mad? Yes. Yes. It's literally saying, will they not just come out and just simply say that you're crazy? And it's scary. And it's scary. But the reason why he's saying that is because that's what's happening in the church. On the other hand, he said, let me paint another scenario. But if all prophesy, there come in one that believe not or unlearned. He is convinced of all. He is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he shall worship God and report that God is in you and of truth. He says, let me tell you how powerful it is when they get it. 
Nobody's going to come in and say, wow, what a spiritual environment that I'm in. They're going to step back and say, they're crazy. And, and I've been there. I've been part of that before. Yeah. But this is the whole goal of this. And the biblical principle of this is that we do everything for the edifying and building up. That is why God gave us the spiritual gifts, and that's what you learn in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But it says in verse 26, how is it then, brethren? Question, okay, he's asking this. When you come together, every one of you have a psalm and have a doctrine and have the tongue and have the revelation and have an interpretation. He says, let all things be done to edifying. He said, when you come together, he said, just remember that it should be heard, it should be understand, it should build up, it should proclaim, it should the lost and save. And the principle is simply this, whatever you do, it should be done to edifying and understanding. It should be build up. If, if you don't know what the word edifying means, it should build up. That's what the gospel does. That's why we preach on Sunday. That's why the Bible even talks about, upon this rock I will build my church. It wasn't just adding people, and I know that's part of it, but he's talking about making us stronger through the Spirit of God. And Paul set some rules. Because remember, tongues was a thing. But he says, we got to just set some ground rules on this. He said, if, if it's going to be used, if any man speak in this unknown tongue, so he said, let's say somebody gets up and they start talking, and nobody understands, let it be by one or two, or by the most by three, and that by, by course, and let one interpret. Do you know why he's saying that? He said, there, if, if, if you're going to stand up, okay, and he's just giving these guidelines, and he said, somebody starts up and they start talking this, he said, somebody better be able to stand up and say, thank you for that word, I needed that today. He said, somebody needs to interpret, it needs to be understood. But there being no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. And let him prophesy, speak two or three, and let others judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let him first hold his peace. So he said, if there's not, he said, I'm not saying that God's not working in your heart and your mind or whatever, but he said, you're better off to sit there as opposed to stand up, talk in an unknown language, and nobody get anything out of it. For ye, for ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and that all might be comforted. That is the goal. And then we get into the verse that God's not the author of confusion. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches, or, or in all the churches of the saints. So we get into the question, and we're going to wrap this up. And I know we're at the end. What about tongues today? And, and this is the debate. And I'm going to show you the verses that I know from Scripture. We got in verse 22, wherefore tongues or for a sign. And so uh, a lot of the things that God did was like, um, like fire starter in the, in the gospel, whatever. He did a lot of things to get the gospel going and to get the word out. Pentecost was an amazing day. Um, think about the strategy behind it. So you have this two verses all filled with all the places from Egypt and the Cretes and you know, all these different places. And they come, and, and God it empowers Peter on that day to preach the gospel. Think about this. What happens when they hear the gospel, and that guy was, had his life changed, and he left to go back to where he was from? And this guy over here goes back to Egypt, and this guy over here goes back to Syria or wherever, and they begin to go back. Do you understand how God in that one moment began to kickstart the gospel in a powerful way, and every one of them was changed. And by the time that you get to the bottom of Acts chapter 2, 
They were saved and baptized and added to the church. Like, was it 5,000? 4,000? Anyways, you guys know the verse. <laughs> it's like, but God, God added to the church in this big way. God had a reason for it. But after a while, the gospel began to spread and people began to get it. And the Bible's talking about it was for a sign. It was to them that believe and them to that believe not. And it says, and whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And I truly believe that there were certain things that God gave for a season of time to kickstart and advance the gospel. Um, but I wanted to address Romans 8.26. Because this was not in there. And it's, and it's a verse, if you look up in, in, uh, on internet or Google or watch TikToks and stuff, this is one of the famous verses that people use saying that this is uh, praying in tongues. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know that we should pray, for we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So face value, this makes sense. It's like I'm praying, and I don't have the words to say, so God gives me these words to say. But let's take it in context. If you were to go back through the Bible and all the words that we studied so far, and especially in Corinthians that addresses it in chapters 12 and 14, it's glossa, or I can't say the other word, but it's the two words that are mentioned for tongues. One is a physical organ, the tongue or speech or language, and the other one is a dialect or language. So, thank you. So, it's, it's both of those that are used. If you notice in, uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 26, Neither one of those words are used at all. Instead, it's got groanings, not tongues. It says with groanings, which is another Greek word, which means for sighs or a deep feeling of intense anxiety that exists. It's a burden of the heart, which is talking about literally when you're praying, and it's not you're speaking in tongues, but it's contrary to that. It's you have no words to say. And I think anybody that's ever been broken, you have been there. I, it, have, have you ever had a prayer time that's been more tears and crying than it has been words to say? And that's exactly what this is saying right here. It's saying with the groanings, but God says he knows your heart because I don't have to put into words how I feel for God to know how I feel. I don't have to express it. God knows about my cares. He, he's touched with the feelings of my infirmities that we talked about with Hebrews 4, 14 and 15 of that. So, um, but anyways, uh, it's a powerful verse, but a lot of times it's completely taken out of context. And that's why we break down the verses and the words and the meanings of it and stuff. So here's just a couple of thoughts as we close this out. Number one, if tongues is a way to pray to God on a deeper level, then why didn't Jesus teach us or explain to us when they deliberately asked us, Lord, teach us to pray? And I've asked, I've wondered that question. And he said, well, they did not yet have the spirit of God. Well, he was the son of God, okay? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're three in one. But I'm just, I've always wondered. I'm like, if that was a deeper way to pray, why didn't Jesus ever explain it when they were asking him? Just a thought. That's just a thought that I, the, I'm, tell, I'm sharing you my thoughts now with this. Uh, number two, Paul confronts this issue. But where is the original teaching of praying with tongues? Because we went through all the verses that talk about them preaching, being prophesied, being edified, and people being saved. But where was ever the example of somebody praying in tongues? Besides Acts chapter 4, or, or, or um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, when he was addressing the unknown tongue of how it doesn't edify. 
Number three, the Bible is filled with stories and examples for us to follow of great men and women of God in the Bible. Where do we read of any of them praying in this way? <laughs> Just one. Just one. Does that mean that none of them were that spiritual? I mean, you think about it. When you get to any of the story of Peter, James, and John, and all of them through the, you know, first, second, third John, and Jude, and all the, none of them. Not one time. I've been in church my whole life. I've had the Spirit of God, and I've never witnessed it for myself. Just saying, now, don't, this is me just talking, okay, right now. But I have been with those that have told me, you know, I'm charismatic, but I promise you, when I go to that meeting, I will not speak in tongues. I'm like, is there a switch? <laughs> I just don't understand it. Um, and when I was in Bible college, and I'm just talking, sharing my heart with this because you read all this and it makes sense. Tongues make sense to me. It does from the very beginning. The purpose of it, the edification, the spreading of it, the miracle of it, the work of it, all of it just makes so much sense. But I see so much confusion. And I was uh, a chaplain at a juvenile detention center. I was uh, going to college for youth ministry. They were giving us different ways to reach out. I went and spoke there a couple of times. They say you could actually come in here on a regular basis and do church if you uh, became a volunteer. So I went through the program. I had to go through classes, and I became a chaplain for the juvenile detention center when I was in Bible college. And I loved it. The problem was I wasn't the only one in there. Uh, I was one of many other denominations and things like that. So I'm in there, and the other guys are doing their thing, and I'm waiting for my turn, and it was a Sunday afternoon, and it wasn't extremely organized and things like that. And they were literally teaching the kids to pray in tongues. And they told them, and I'm eyewitness, baby, here it is. Think of a phrase, say it, now say it faster, now say it faster, now say it faster. And I'm like, what in the world? And they left, and they were like, we don't understand this. How, do, how is saying this phrase over and over and over again speaking in tongues? And I saw firsthand, I thought, wow, God is not the author of confusion. And if it's a work of the Spirit of God, you don't need a tutorial to do it. It's when the Spirit of God takes over and would do that.